There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, driving passion for sport and communities throughout Ireland and abroad. We may not be able to get in on the sporting action like we're used to, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their second year as official car partner of the GEA, Renault is offering a range of special offers on their new and used vehicles, exclusive to all GEA club members. So now you can take home the win right to your door. Check out Renault.ie forward slash GEA to find out more. There's a small bit of a needle there. Oh, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Listed between them, and now they're really roaring. And I can tell you, tell you, that there won't be a cloud Milton County Clare for at least a week. An extraordinary end to an extraordinary year. We are seven days away from Christmas Eve. But between us and then, there is a massive game of football to be played in Croke Park on Saturday evening. Dublin v Mayo, the great defining rivalry of the second half of the last decade, is reborn in the 2020s. Once again, Dublin are raging hot favourites, but Mayo are coming with fresh faces and fresh hope. Hello, everyone. Uh, you're very welcome to the Irish Examiner Gaelic Football Show. My name is Paul Rouse, and I'm joined here today, as usual, by Oisin McConville, the former Armagh footballer, and by Kieran Sheehan, the Cork footballer. And we're also joined this week by very special guest, Eamon Fitzmaurice, a multiple All-Ireland medal winner as a Kerry player and as Kerry manager. Later in the show, Oisin is going to explain to us just how Dublin are going to dismantle Mayo. Uh, and Kieran then is going to explain how Oisin is wrong and instead set out a plan for how Mayo will beat Dublin. But I want to start, Oisin, with this week. What were you like in the week before an All-Ireland football final? Um, I only got the uh, pleasure of playing in two of them. The first one was uh, it was very new, um, so it was uh, exciting, and it was something that we were told to enjoy. And we, when somebody tells you to enjoy something, uh, the tendency is to is to clam up a little bit. <laughs> that's my that's my own uh, tendencies. Anyhow, you know. Um, uh, in 2002, I would have felt that I was fairly relaxed going into going into the game, and maybe too relaxed. And um, 2003 was completely different. Uh, it was it was thrown. It felt very claustrophobic. Um, the enjoyment element, I think, at that stage, sort of gone out of, gone out of it. There was a lot of pressure on. On uh, on that game and going into that game and trying to win it, everything had changed. The expectation had changed. You know, the the, the conversations had changed. You know, with people before the match, I, I didn't want to particularly meet people uh, before the game. So I think in the current situation, it's probably ideal for for a lot of players in that you know they don't have to make that small talk. What about you, Kieran? What do you like the week before a big game? 
Yeah, I suppose in, in reference to the All-Ireland final for me, um, I, I suppose I was 19 at the time. Um, and I just remember there being an awful lot of kind of nervous energy, particularly with, with the Cork team and the position they were in after, you know, losing the All-Ireland final the year before, being in semi-finals and finals over the last number of years against Kerry and just not being able to, to get over the line. I suppose in the, in the lead up to the game, you know, you mentioned about the warm up and the, you know, the march around the pitch and things like that. You just try to replicate as much as you can um, in relation to, I remember the last session, you know, we ran out to the pitch, you know, you hop over a bench, you take your picture, you know, you do your warm up, all that kind of stuff. You just try to replicate it, you know, and that's, that's a memory that kind of sticks out for me that, you know, I'd never kind of done it to that much detail. You know, we had crowd music going on in, in, in Parky Cueve, you know, across all the speakers, things like that. Um, but then my my abiding memory of the day, uh, we, we stayed up in um, Kalini Castle Hotel. That was where we stayed that year. And I was I was room, roomed with Pierce O'Neill. And little did I know was he the loudest snore. I'd say I'd say the room next to him on either sides of us, I'd say I didn't get a wink of sleep. Not to mind myself, but um, but I remember just going down for breakfast in the morning and just because I was so naive to the occasion. I remember just looking around at, you know, the likes of, you know, Alan Quirk or Noel O'Leary or, or Graham Canty and these lads and what they were having for breakfast. And I was almost having what they were having because, you know, they had done it before. They had been in this position before. So I was kind of just like a sponge trying to soak it all in, um, not worrying about, you know, what's good for me. I was just trying to, you know, um, you know, copy what they were doing as such. But uh yeah, like aside from that, then it was just a case of, you know, obviously I, I got nervous and nervous as the game got closer. Um, and that was <laughs> noticeable in the first five minutes of the game when I missed the keen cut goal chance that uh, that probably set us back a bit. But it was just, uh, it was, it was a, it's, it's a great, great build up. It's such an exciting time um, for not just for you, but for your family and friends and, you know, everyone that's involved in the whole thing. But um, again, my abiding memory is just that, that excitement. Um, of of what was going to happen, and and literally, you know, you kind of I look back now, and I was probably oblivious to a lot of it. But my body memory, which is great, is that um, it was that nervous energy mixed with excitement. And Eamon, from player to manager, what was it like for you? Well, similar to the lads, I suppose, really, Paul. Um, I was relaxed as a player, to be honest. I um, I was more likely to be nervous uh, before a national league game in February. Uh, half a stone overweight and with very little training done then um, for an All-Ireland final I always felt that I was ready and that the work was done um, physically and football wise and everything else and it was it was where I wanted to be um, so I was always relaxed enough the week of a game as a player um, as a manager it's a completely different uh, focus obviously because you're you're busy. You're very busy, really, um, in the lead into a big game like that. And you know, as a player, you're winding down and you're just getting your sleep right, your diet right, all those things right. Whereas a, as a manager, you're still, um, you know, you're at it right up until the game, trying to make sure that everything is right. Uh, so different experience, but um, regardless of whether you're a player, or a manager, or a selector, or a supporter, it's where you want to be. If we, if we look at, uh, as a player, first of all, the day you were asked to man-mark Kieran MacDonald, when were you told that? Um, I'd say I was probably told that a good bit out from the game um, that, uh, that I was going to be marking him. Now, that one 
uh, that wasn't an ideal build-up for me because the weekend of the All-Ireland Hurling final, which was two two weeks before we were training the, the evening of the All-Ireland Hurling final, and I tweaked my hamstring. So I actually did nothing. I didn't, for the, those two weeks, I was only rehabbing the injury. And the first bit of a kick around I had was the night before the game. And um, I, I was marking here in McDonald in the next day so there was a lot of probably um, mental preparation more than physical preparation for for that particular game and I suppose it showed Jack and the lads that they trusted me because it would have been very easy to leave a fellow out the fact that he hadn't done you know a whole lot in the lead into the final Um, and thankfully you know the game went grand for me personally and it went um, well for the team and we won and it worked out fine um, but yeah I would have known I would have known a bit out I was marking him alright and it was uh, I was it was obviously a different type of role for me and uh, it was it was just like really zoning in on him and getting ready for, for, for that kind of one-on-one battle and in terms of the specific instructions that you were given that day was was it to what extent were you given detail or to what extent was it just get as close, just get close and stay close? It was do a job. I'd say that was about as specific as it got. I think the the thing... Is that a code, Eamon? To do a job, yeah. <laughs> um, it was, I suppose. Um, no, I think the, the big thing was that as a centre-back, you have a responsibility to mind the middle as well. And uh, I was I didn't have to focus on that that day. My job was uh, Kieran McDonald and wherever he went, I was going and I had to blot him out of the game because he was so central to everything the Mayo were doing. So there was an element of sacrifice, sacrifice our own game, of course. But uh, no, it was a job I enjoyed. And like I said, it was something different for me. It wasn't a role that I had performed that often. Um, right, O'Shea, the easiest job in punditry. Explain how Dublin are going to go about dismantling Mayo. Had a good long think about this, and I was thinking if they can get into the change rooms, get their boots laced up, uh, they're, they're they're halfway there. Um, I suppose the thing that Dublin will will be looking at is matchups, and those couple of key matchups. And I think the one that sort of stands out is is pretty obvious, and that is Killian O'Connor, especially after the day he had the last day. And I'm thinking about the most focused, um, selfless Dublin defender. So Fitzsimmons is probably that person. I know Cooper has had a go at uh, Killian O'Connor before, but uh, I don't think that will be the case. I think um, the most likely thing is that uh, Fitzsimmons will go to O'Connor. So uh, as far as matchups concerned, David Bourne will probably go on Tommy Conroy. Um, and that leaves Aidan O'Shea. And I suppose, you know, uh, if you want somebody to go in there and annoy him, like the obvious one, of the boys who are left in that full back lane is Cooper. But, uh, you know, we're talking about a serious height advantage. I'm just wondering, could Cooper be sacrificed and maybe filling Mahan come in to, to do, try and do a job on, on Aidan O'Shea? You've seen, uh, I suppose, how well he coped with that high ball um, against against Cavan. I know, like, we, we can maybe talk later about the, about the high ball and how nuanced it was, but... Like hoofing the ball in is, you know, was a defender's ball anyway. But I just thought that they coped rightly with it. And I think, you know, Philly Mahan 
is somebody that that they may be thinking you know could come into to this game and that could be the surprise element as far as Dublin are concerned. Um, I think they'll try and match up uh, James McCarthy with Loftus, just like what um, Eamon was saying. I think you know if Marching, uh plays at um, centre half, uh, centre half back, uh, follows his man, and I think. You know that leaves the centre open a little bit, but it also gives James McCarthy a, a, an option. You know, for a middle of the field to come in and 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 sit in that position, and that gives him a little bit more protection. Um, um, Fenton obviously will be on Ruan because you know they'll want. Uh, <clears throat> I suppose as far as aerial ability, Ruan's the only one that sort of can live with him. So I don't think Fenton ever goes out to Fenton just sees who comes to him and just gets on with it. Uh, and apart from that, I think they'll play more or less the same way as they played the last day. They like that free man in front of the of the full back line because, regardless of of how many times you analyze it and how many times we talk about it, I still think that the full back line can be got at. Now, people will say, "Oh, look how well they coped against Cavan with the with the hay ball and all those sort of things," but like. If you're hoofing the ball in the top, you know, towards the end of a game to try and get a goal, I mean, the chances of getting a goal are slim. You know, like, like doubling the players back, I mean, they, they, have, they don't need to attack the game, really. You know, I'd love to see them, you know, defending that as they're chasing the game, trying to get players up the field and you, and you hit a proper ball in. Like, you look at... Um, you look at Kevin McLaughlin's the couple of balls he kicked in the last day, you know, him in particular... Uh, the one that uh, O'Shea won and put over the bar, that's a forwards ball. The one that you just hoof up into the... Like, the, this thing about direct ball into the four lane, the first thing pe- comes to people's heads is, you know, let's just get it in there any way we can. But if you have the ability and, and you're not under pressure in that middle sector to get a ball like that in there, I mean, I still think that you can hurt them that way. But this thing of a sporadic ball in, you know, two in the first half and three in the second half and one towards the end of the game and they win the ball and people analyze it and they think no they're, they're, they're pretty good under the high ball let's not do that again and uh, I just think that if it's if it's more concentrated uh, then there's a great opportunity for uh, for for me I know I'm supposed to be analyzing Dublin or they but um, th- th- I think that's the big thing for Dublin is just those few key matchups in defence and I think the big one for them is Fitzsimmons on, on Killian O'Connor Eamon what do you think of those matchups? Yeah I think uh, I think O'Sheen is right um, I wouldn't be surprised if um, Philly started like he suggested or if um, even if James McCarthy went back on uh, Aidan O'Shea if he was causing uh, if he was causing problems in there and yeah, O'Sheen's on the money about those kind of floated diagonal balls from the right area. Oftentimes, um, the most dangerous ball into full forward line, an aerial ball, is, is it might only be kicked from 25, 30 yards away. A one that's travelling 60, 70 yards, hanging in the air. The back is going to, you know, break that away most times. But uh, those floated diagonal balls can be, can be dangerous. But, um, you know, I know we're always saying this, Dublin can be vulnerable to that, but... I haven't seen too many goals go in against him as a, as a result of it. But uh, what O'Sheen said there as well about getting at him early, if they want to do that, they should do it early in the game because um, Kevin, you know, early in that, that game, uh, Galligan was inside full forward. He was almost redundant inside there and they didn't even use him aerially. He'd have been better off out the field. 
um, contributing out the field. So, um, yeah, I, I would I'd agree with a lot of the, a lot of what O'Sheen said there. I think uh, Fitzsimons will pick up Killian O'Connor, and he's their best man marker. And then Johnny Cooper will be available then if Fitzsimons is taken in water if he gets the yellow card. I think Cooper might go to Tommy Conroy. I wouldn't be. I'd be really surprised if Cooper doesn't start. Really surprised on that. Um, what do you think, Kieran? Yeah, look, uh, I suppose in, in relation to, to to Dublin, like they're they're uh, it's certainly a huge challenge for Mayo. Um, O'Sheen stole some of my limelight there, talking about the high balling. Um, but uh, I, I I think the midfield battle for Dublin, they'll be targeting big time. Um, I think if they can they can gain primary possession, which which they're you know they've been doing you know, all year, um, I think, and use those channels down the middle, I think they'll cause Mayo um, a serious problem. Um, and I think they'll, they'll look to try and um, highlight that from, from the very start um, because it'll, it'll put doubts in Mayo's, in Mayo's mind straight away. There's no doubt that Mayo would have had put particular um, work into their defence over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I think Dublin will try test that straight away. Um and I wouldn't be surprised if they just go for the juggler real early, um, just just to put a little bit of doubt in Mayo's minds um, straight away. I, it, it's it's a very difficult task for Mayo, um, but it's not out of their reach. Wait, what's your I'd plan, Kieran? What's your plan? Give us your plan. Um, okay, so as I said there, look, I, I think a lot needs to go right um, for Mayo, but they are capable of doing it. Um, I think there is before I go into the detail of the, the, how I think that tactically they might set up their their leadership, we'll say from the older brigade, the likes of Keegan, um, Aidan O'Shea, um, Killian O'Connor, who's been around a while now, um, uh, Chris Barrett, Clark. These guys, you know, need to show massive leadership throughout the whole game. Um, and the other side of that is the younger players who they've brought in this year need to show maturity that they that they haven't probably shown because they were playing completely off the cuff, um, I would think over the last you know a number of weeks. But if they can show maturity, that you know is a step above what they've been playing at, I think it'll bring it'll make decision making easier. It'll keep them more composed throughout the game, and a good mix of of both that leadership and maturity, I think, you know, is is it very important for Mayo coming into this game, um, in relation to. The, the tactical side of it, you know, you look at the kickouts. Um, how Mayo set up on Dublin's kickouts is going to be is going to be hugely important as well. Um, you know, in my mind, right, we're we're used to seeing Mayo with that high press. Um, you know, tempting tempting short kickouts. You know, intercepting a couple, but for for the amount they will intercept, um, I think Dublin will do enough damage going the other. Way. What what I would suggest is if Mayo to actually play a little bit more defensive. On Dublin's kickout and almost concede the short one. Uh, might sound mad now, but if if you have your full forward line and and Paul, we 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 touched on this a small bit in relation to Limerick when you look at Limerick and how they set up for puckouts, but they have their their full forward line almost starting on the forty five. Now that doesn't mean they don't want to play huge pressure once the the kickout's conceded, but if Mayo set up defensively that they have their 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 top line their full forward line set up on the forty five where they, they can squeeze, we'll say, the back half of the ground, concede that wide kick-out that Cluxton likes to give wide in the left and just force them down the line. I, I, I think they have a better chance of, of sticking with Dublin 
for that period of time, maybe even as far as the, we'll say the, the third quarter and then maybe change things up and go at them and see what happens. Um, I think, I think it's, it's, it's a safe option. And I think it's what, what can potentially keep Mayo in the game. Um, in relation to the, the defence side of things, there's, I don't want to go into too much detail around the defence. We're going to ask the two lads about the kickouts, but keep going yeah. for the moment about the, the, the defensive side of things. Yeah, so it's kind of related to the kickouts. Um, you know, if you're conceding that wide kickout from Cluxton, there's huge importance in not getting stepped inside. So, and Eamon, you and, and Oshin, you'd know about, you know, in relation to showing them the line and corralling them towards the line and using the sideline as, as your friend. And we've mentioned this before on, on a number of podcasts, but the detail around, you know, even starting a half a yard behind the Dublin player, giving them a bit of temptation to go down the line, but almost keeping them outside and not getting stepped. Like, I can't reiterate how important it is to not get stepped inside because once a James McCarthy or a Merchant step inside, the whole pitch is opened. Now, if, no, they're not, Mayo aren't going to be able to do that consistently for the whole game, but if they can do it, uh, 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 we'll say 70% of the time, I think they, they give themselves a good chance of, of, of forcing Dublin to errors and applying pressure. Like I, I like to call it a, like a vacuum pressure and not to, to go too much back to the hurling, but the Limerick hurlers do it really, really well. So they invited Wadford to take them on, take them on until they get to a point where it's, it's not on and they swarm. I think Mayo need to do that. They need to tempt Dublin into bringing, inviting the pressure and then obviously turning them over and then obviously hurting them the other way. But um, like uh, when you see, when, you see <laughs> when I was watching, again, when I was watching the Harlan game, I thought Limerick are, a very, are very good at fouling. Um, Cavan, I would say, similar from watching Cavan, excellent foulers. Um, and I mean that in the best sense of the word because they're, they're clever, they're tactical about it, they know where to do it, when to do it at the right time. Like when you look at Dean Rock, for example, for Dublin, if you can keep Dean Rock, he's a catalyst for Dublin. If you can keep Dean Rock to three points, I think that goes a long way to winning the game for Mayo. No, that's, that means fouling, clever fouling, fouling in the right place. Um, I'm not saying be cynical. What I'm saying is, you know, stand them up, you know, put enough pressure. I think you are, Kieran. I, that sounds, <laughs> that's not being cynical. Not I don't mean sure the cynical. I don't mean cynical type. I don't mean the cynical Do you think Dublin are cynical, by the way? Do you think Dublin are cynical? Eamon, do you think Dublin are cynical? Of course they are. Sure, every every top team is cynical, Paul, when you have to be. Yeah, I I think cynicism at times is viewed as a, as a bad thing. Is it such a bad thing? If you, Okay, for the neutral person looking on, we want to see a lovely, clean game and everything else, but... If you're if you're stuck inside in the middle of us, if it, like that foul that Owen McLaughlin made at the end of the Connacht final um, um, to pull down, who was the one of the Galway lads was true straight and goal, um, Kelly I think. Um, yes. You know I'd have done the exact same thing if I was him. So I think yeah I think Dublin are cynical. I think Mayo are cynical. I think any of the the top teams are cynical when they need to be. I, I think I think I think we we feel as if. The only thing being cynical is acceptable is if you're a massive underdog. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But and it's viewed as uh, you know you do what you have to do. And in the same situation, the other on the flip that around, and you know you look at Dublin. I've said on numerous occasions that Dublin are cynical, but like people take that as me having a go at them. That's actually it's a compliment. Do you know what I mean? Because they're willing to do whatever it takes, and 
they learned a lot of these lads, and I know we talk about the turnover players, but uh, the cynicism came from a long line of heart for whatever amount of years that when they couldn't when they couldn't win, and you know they were they were termed as too soft and you know too egotistical and all of those sort of things, and they learned from that period in in uh, in time and. They've moved on now, and as I say, they're willing to do whatever uh, it takes. And the thing about cynicism uh, in Gaelic football is that um, <clears throat> a lot of time, it's a lot of the time, it's not. Um, uh, it's almost rewarded sometimes. If that doesn't, if that makes any sense, you know, it's not. It's not as. Uh, it's not a bigger problem to do it towards the end of the game. In fact, it can be advantageous. Yeah, it can be advantageous sometimes. Um, Oshin, what do you think of Kieran's plan? We're coming back to the rest of your plan in a minute, Kieran. But what do you think of Kieran's plan to concede the kickout? <clears throat> um, I never would have thought uh, down through the years that that was uh, that was an idea as far as me concerned because I thought that was the strong point. But I just don't think there's big and they're as uh, comfortable in the middle of the field as they once were and you take Aidan O'Shea and you know if he's going to spend a good bit of time in the full forward lane that takes another one of their uh, pluses in that area where I think as far as how feeling goes they are at an advantage but I like me are as good on break ball as anybody so you know um, I think they need to pick and choose when they, when they push and when they press and I think uh, the simple one is free kicks so if Mayo have, if Mayo have a free kick that you know, we get everybody organised. Killian O'Connor kicks the free and everybody's, everybody's uh, squeezed up. But I, d- I think there's a lot of occasions where they'll just have to, uh, they'll just have to retreat, stick their hands up and say, no, we're not going to, you know, we have no chance of winning that. The ball is just coming out that fast. So uh, I think they need to pick and choose. Uh, I would have always thought down through the years the best method of beating Dublin. And, you know, they got so close was the push and the press. But I don't think, as I say, they're as physical or as big in the middle of the field as they, as they once were. And even, you know, Mayo have managed to win games this year and not been winning the midfield sector. So uh, the proof is in the pudding as far as that's concerned. But uh, I think it's they need to pick their teams when they push and press. A lot of teams use the, the free kick scenario. Um, I think there is a, another couple of occasions maybe when the thing has been slowed up, you're getting a lot of players forward. You know, Dublin are pushing you from right to left, and you get a shot off, and you know that's the time to press. But I think that's the way they'll work it. Otherwise, I think they'll have to give a certain amount of them up. Eamon, would you press? I'd be the same as uh, O'Sheen, to be honest, Paul. I'd mix it, and I think that if you, um, I think with Dublin, they're so good. If you give them everything short, yeah, like Kieran said, you'll you'll squeeze them up the sideline a couple of times, but they'll figure it out and they'll overrun you. Then just with possession, and um, I think that uh, they're used to dealing with that in their own training sessions because that's the way their own forwards tackle anyway. They try to use the sideline, they show you up a sideline, they descend on you. Then so the Dublin backs are used to dealing with that in training. So I think you have to mix it. Um, I think you can get pressed in the free, and if you win that kick out, you can stay there. Um, but there is more of a risk for them this time because, like O'Sheen said, they're not as strong in the middle of the field. And if they're overpressed, they can just go along to Fenton, win it, and go. But I think that when they are pressed, that bit of cynicism will have to come in again. That if they do lose it long, they'll have to stop it with a foul because, similar to Jack McCaffrey's uh, goal in the All Ireland final last year, the drawn game. 
that when you are pressed, if they get out over the press and they have so much pace and ability going the other way, you know, it's going to end up with a shot at goal and probably a goal chance. Yeah, I think I'm with Kieran. I think I'm with Kieran on this one. I think I'd hold. I think I'd hold for a long time. I wouldn't let. I think Dunn will dismantle Mayo with long kickouts. If if Mayo definitely if they press too often, I think I'd hold. I think I'd hold a long time. Kieran, your matchups. What matchups are you doing on the Dublin players? Um, we had a, a conversation about Lee Keegan and potentially wanting to see him out a bit, you know, further in the half back line, maybe. Um, I've kind of turned a bit on it um, when when I look when I when you look at Dean Rock um, and the importance that he has to Dublin um, and as such when you look at you know Lee Keegan's attacking power that he that he does utilize from the full back line I think that will give Rock a little bit of trouble um, in relation to Keegan's speed um, I don't I think Rock will like too much coming. Um, away from goal, um, going back towards his own goal. Um, so I, I've gone with Lee Lee on Rock, um, which I think they might go for. Um, I've gone for Chris Chris Barrett on Kilkenny. Obviously, it depends on how Dublin set up. Whether you know Kilkenny's lining up at at eleven or fourteen, or whether Conor Callan's there. But if if Kilkenny is at full forward, I would think Chris Barrett will go to him. Um, and just stick to him. Um, I think he's a good matchup there. And then Stephen Cohn uh, with Conor Callan looking to probably do the same thing that he done to Colin Reardon in that you know you, you try and take out his aerial aerial ability as well. Um, you know he has the size to to match up against him. Um, but again, it's 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 a tough one because and we talk about matchups an awful lot. But I think again the full Mayo six the back six are going to all have a role to play um, with each other because I think Mayo will set up with a plus one um, on the Dublin's attack. I think midfielder, most likely Ryan will will revert back to that centre-back position. Potentially Cohn will will slot into that plus one spot in front of the full back line, I would think, um, on, the Dublin, on the Dublin live ball. Um, and I think it's important that they have that layer of protection. Now, what I'll say about that is and the defensive side of Mayo, it needs to be staggered because Eamon, you mentioned it there about, you know, getting flat and Jack McCaffrey's goal, you know, in relation to Mayo's defence, it cannot be caught flat in a flat line across the ground because Dublin will will pick holes and they will find a way and they will punish you, they will score goals. So what I, what I mean by that is, you know, you stagger your lines of defence so that you've layers to get through. So once Dublin break through that first layer, they're met with another layer. Um, of defence and I think I think that's how Mayo have to set up because Dublin's attacking threat is just is just uh, ferocious when it gets going um, so they, they'd be my matchups now I think I, I envisage there being a lot of chopping and changing because you know Dublin seem to just kind of you know end up in all sorts of places on the pitch and you know you get caught out and, and that's important for Mayo that there's clear handovers there's communication um, you know that it's you know top class throughout the whole game um, like uh, it wouldn't give me massive concern if any uh, like any of Mayo's defenders got caught with any of any one of the Dublin forwards. I think they're, they're notoriously good tacklers and good defenders, Mayo, one on one. But what they'll have to do is work together as a group for that for the seventy minutes. Um, I think that'll be hugely hugely important to them. Shane, what do you think of the matchups? 
Yeah, I disagree with them all. <laughs> Would you be a bit more gentle than that? Is that possible? <laughs> no, Give it to me, Oshie. Um, Go on. <laughs> uh, I just think uh, I think I think Lee Keegan in the full back line is is a is an experiment which I would like to see ended immediately. Um, I just I, I just I just he just doesn't look comfortable there, and I think the last day, like if if, if Mayo, when Mayo reviewed that video, you know that the, like they're not going to want him in that lane. I think he'd probably renew acquaintances with Kilkenny, and. Uh, Kilkenny will probably play in the half forward line. And um if he does go in, I think, you know, uh I think not immediately, but if he's gonna spend any length of time there, I think he'll be handed over again. But I think Lee Keegan is so important. I mean, if you have I'm thinking Mayo's major strengths, if you have Durkin, McLaughlin and Keegan in that half back line. I think the the opportunity they have to to get forward, and uh, when they're getting forward for the likes of McLaughlin and Damon O'Connor and O'Donoghue to get back in and, and fill in those positions when they see them going past, and uh, you know as far as um, as far as I think Ashley Mullen will 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 probably pick up Conor Callan, um, and I think you know he has the athleticism, uh, and I think the fact that you know, Kieran said about the fact that uh, Dublin players find themselves in lots of different positions, and I think Conor Callan seems to have a renewed freedom. It's almost as if he's as if he swapped roles with Kieran Kilkenny this year, um, and he finds himself a lot deeper. Um, I also want to question uh, something Kieran said about uh, Mayo's uh, ability one on one, and uh, I. Unless they've t- they've completely turned that in its head over the last two weeks, I think their ability one on one is not quite what it needs to be, and uh, that was very prevalent the last day. and And the reason why I want to reference the last day more so than the other ones is the game was in Crow Park, and I think that makes it a different game. I think you know it's very obvious that Mayo found it really difficult to uh, to lock down those spaces. You know, the fact that they were getting bodies in, you know, when, uh, in the other games they played, in particular against Galway, especially towards the end of the game when they're holding on a little bit. Um, but the fact that they were getting bodies back and filling in those spaces, they found it almost impossible to do against against Tipperary. They shipped, what, 313? And uh, probably could have shipped a lot more. So uh, defensively, I think, is where, you know, there's... There's a there's a huge amount of work to be done, but I just think the one on one is not good enough, and that's why they'll need to get you know all those uh, all that half hour lane back in there and uh, helping out. And I think that leaves the opportunity for maybe somebody like Tommy Conroy to play on the forty, and uh, try. He's going to be probably going to be the one that's going to try and link the play to the two boys inside. So. Uh, I don't want to dismantle everything that Kieran said, but uh, <laughs> that's sort of that's sort of my take on it. Sorry, Kieran. Oh, no, no, I just say that uh, I did say Mayo need to be at their very best. They weren't at their very best against Tip. Um, well, what I say about it is uh, notoriously uh, coming up against Mayo and seeing Mayo, <clears throat> I would I would back them in as aggressive tacklers one on one. No. Tipperary clearly exposed that in moments last day in Crow Park. Um, but like, you know, when they're when they're in that all Ireland final, you know, a few years back and stuff, you know, 
their 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 ability in the tackle was ferocious and they and they they need to replicate that they need to bring that um i'm not saying that you know as i said from this year's championship we haven't seen mayo's best um they will need to bring every bit of what they can provide um on saturday um and that's that's that would be my 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 comment based on that but you're right you're right Oshin, in what you're saying because it was a it was a serious concern for 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 Mayo the last day, you know. Um, three thirteen is 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 not acceptable and won't be acceptable in all Ireland finals. So um, hopefully they have their homework done on that. I'm, I'm sure they do. Eamon, where where do you stand on this? I don't like having to referee the two boys. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I was never I was never a great ref even when I was in the football and carry training. The lads used to always be given out to me. So um, no, I think. I think that probably a problem the Mayo have at the back is just the balance of their backs is that it's they're playing with six half backs in effect. And um, I personally speaking, I hated playing in the full back line. I was a, I was a half back. And when I was inside there, I was very uncomfortable. Now I think players, the modern player is more adaptable than I was or than our generation was. But um I, you know, the point that um, O'Sheen was making about Lee Keegan, he does look very uncomfortable there at times. Um, even the high ball that he got caught for for Quinlevin's goal chance early on was a kind of a half-back's flap inside in the full-back line. It wasn't, you know, he, he just looked uncomfortable. Um, even going back to last year's All-Ireland semi-final, he was marking Conor Callaghan for that burst at the start of the second half where Dublin pulled away for, from them. So... I don't know if they have the answer at the moment. They're going to have to trust the lads that are there. Keith Higgins obviously was always a great guy for them in the full back line, a natural inside player that could play in there. Uh, so I think that balance might be something that could could come unstuck on Saturday evening. Um, and, uh, you know, the, in the past they have done well, well in the back through sheer intensity, like you all mentioned there. But um, O'Sheen Mullen now, uh, Owen McLaughlin, Cohn, they're going to be well and truly tested on Saturday evening. And if they can stand up to the test in the point that Kiran made, if they can play, all of them play at the top of the game, of course they can do a job. And I think sometimes when you're coming up against Dublin, I remember for the 2015 final, um, there was a lot of talk before the game about our backs and would they hold them and could we hold, keep them out at all? They only con- we only conceded 12 points, but uh, we forgot the other end of the pitch ourselves and we only scored nine. So I think sometimes games can take on different patterns. And um, uh, But I think for the Mayo backs the next day, it is going to be a challenge. And a lot of that will come down to possession. A lot of it will come down to the way they set up, how, much, uh, o- how open they're going to be and how much ball is coming at them. Because uh, eventually every set of backs cracks when you're playing the Doves. Can I can I ask um, if you were moving Koshina or Eamon Lee Keegan to the half back line, would you be comfortable with Cohn going to maybe full back and Barrett cornerback, or would you go Cohn's cornerback? What's your take on that? I I don't know to be honest. I do, I think again Cohn is, is more comfortable outside Kieran. Mm. Um, I I I think they're probably short of the inside personnel at the moment. Um, you know, Chris Barrett, in fairness, him can play inside there, but would prefer, I would imagine, to play in the half-back line. Oshin Mullen plays in the half-back line for his club. 
Um, Lee Keegan is a halfback. So I, I think they're probably short that inside line personnel at the moment. But um, they're pro- if Keegan comes out, I'm not sure who would go in. I think the point that you were making about the, the way Dublin move around, I think they'll be given a man and they'll go where the man goes within reason. And then if someone's if someone like an Owen McLaughlin gets caught at full back, they might make a change then. But other than that, I think they'll probably follow their man and go with them for the most part. I don't know. I don't think they should do that. I think they should play shape. I don't think I think if they try and match up Lee Keegan on different different players, I mean, I think what'll happen is they'll whoever's on Lee Keegan, if it's Conor Callahan or if it's um Kieran Kilkenny will go in and stand in the square and bring him in there and they'll bring Chris Barrett the centre back and they'll keep it spread and they'll do that. I think if I was Mayo, I would play shape with six person say, Here we go. And I think you're totally right about them with six half backs. In the, in the back line, that's really what they. That's really what they have. But I okay. think I think like if you don't go, that's the thing about the dubs. So you don't go man to man with them. Do you know what I mean? You, you find you find yourself fifteen minutes into the game, and I suppose they have the water break, but fifteen minutes into the game, they're going, "Boys, just mark your man." Do you know because they they just they pick up space and you just kick the ball over over your head, kick it over the bar, and then all of a sudden everybody's going, "Will you get out and mark your man? Will you push out?" Then that creates holes in behind you, and that's the anomaly with these boys, is that you know unless you have you know like if if we're going into the game at the weekend and Mayo have got three top, uh, three top defenders in the full back line, you're not as worried then because that might allow you to let Stephen Cohen uh, sit and let. But imagine like if if Mayo turn up at the weekend and they would have played like a full time sweep or like somebody like uh, Kevin McLaughlin to go to centre half back to allow Cohen to sit in front of us, in front of his full. They just they just kill you with runners then. Do you know what I mean? And and that's the thing they can change it up as as much as they want. And uh, Jesus lads, I, I'm glad you know I'm glad I'm not sitting down you know actually trying to to beat the team this team because. Uh, just when you think you've come up with a brilliant idea to absolutely dismantle it and you have to go to plan B. That's why you need to go in and you need to try and be... And, and James Horn has, has uh, experienced this. You try to be as flexible as you can be uh, within your own game plan without absolutely throwing your own stuff out the window. And so, like, if you're sitting there, if you're sitting down there, uh, if James Horn is sitting down there for the last two weeks and he's thinking, you know, purely how do I stop these guys? I mean, his head would explode. Because, um, as I said, there's so many ways in which they can beat you. But then, you know, add into that the fact that a lot of times you're forgetting about, you know, your own strengths and how you want to play. And uh, I think, you know, that's where the that's where the real balance comes down to. And that's where it, it helps be a brilliant manager and also have brilliant people around you, you know. Is this where, is this where it comes down to it? James Horn was talking this week about taking calculated risks. Is that is that it? Is this uh, this just right? We want the ball. We have to mind the ball. We go at Dublin, and the best way to beat them is to keep the ball and go at them, which is really yeah. easily said. Yeah, I think so, Paul. But I think look, I think if you want to beat Dublin, what you have to do, you have to get your own kick out right. That's going to be a challenge for Mayo. I think looking at the Cavan game and looking at Kerry in the draw in All Ireland last year, the mid range kickouts are the ones that you can get the shorts. They're good at cutting them out and they'll gobble you up long, they're fenting in the middle of the field. But the mid-range ones, the you know, landing 45 yards out, 
they seem to you you can get at them there. So I think that may all be probably looking at that. And then when you have the ball, you you can't you can't get turned over. You want and, and Mayo have been good at that in the past. That they're good at running the ball. They've good you know attacking halfbacks, attacking in numbers, playing measured football, not putting much up for grabs. So that's that's their own natural game when they have possession. Then when you don't have the ball, what are you going to do? Because if you allow them to have possession the whole time, they will kill you. Then you're exhausted from chasing them around. Then your kick out goes out the window. Then you're under severe pressure. So you have to. You have. That's why I'd be far mixing it on their kick out. That go after the times, drop off at times. But if you're chasing them all the game, come the last quarter, you're going to be exhausted. That's then when the holes will open up. That's when the mistakes will happen, and that's when they'll kill you, as they've been doing for the last four, five, six years. Can you can we just go back to Cavan game just one second and and think about how Cavan didn't mind the ball and if Cavan had minded the ball a little bit more, they didn't look completely out of their depth for 25, 30 minutes of that game. You know what I mean? And you know, just early on, if they if they had to mind the ball a little bit more, um, and I think Mayo have that ability, um, like. There's, there's a lot of times in the middle third where you don't need to take a tackle. If you get your head up and you get it to somebody that's free, yeah, it, it might not be free-flowing free flowing and maybe you have to might recycle the ball a lot but and it might not look that pretty, but that's the way you got to play against them and, and like not, not to take those, those tackles, not to try and go down the lane and try and beat somebody and, and he's got the lane in his, in his favour as well. So just minding the ball, even... Uh, a little bit better than what Cavan did and, and Mayo with the forward line that they have should be you know this should be able to stay in the game I, I, I think that will I think that will be difficult for Mayo um, considering the way they do play the game um, but what what I'd say is exactly that um, around the shape um, so what I'd say is ball emotion team emotion so if, if, if Mayo are going at Dublin like you always need to have someone in the back door for that pass back if you run into trouble. Cavan didn't have that a number of times. Dublin swarmed. There was no option. If if you're going at Dublin, one one v one, a Durkin's going one v one at you know a Dublin defender, and he runs into trouble. That back feed option needs to be there all the time because you're right. Retaining possession and and decision making is going to be hugely important for Mayo, but you still need to go at them but still have that, you know, back, back feed option all the time. I think that'll be crucial for Mayo um, on the weekend that they have shape around the contest. And that's with the breaking ball and everything as well. But live play, when the ball's in play, you know, that they have shape, they have options and probably more than one option every time. In last year's All-Ireland semi-final between Dublin and Mayo, at halftime, Mayo were 8-6 up, 10 minutes into the second half. Dublin had scored 2-5 in, in, in essentially in, in 10 minutes. It was like Mayo couldn't kick the ball out quickly enough during that period, and they just got utterly exposed. How do you stop that happening in the team? Are there techniques you can apply in a match to stop that happening? Start the row. <laughs> the traditional approach, Eamon, yeah. <laughs> Is that the answer to most things, actually? <laughs> uh... No, I think you're right, though, that the, the, definitely a problem that Mayo did was there. instead of slowing things down, they were actually doing things quicker. And 
that was that was an example of where Dublin got pressed and they were able to stay pressed because Mayo just couldn't get the ball out and all they needed was to get out once and then you you've kind of you've pushed Dublin a bit back up the pitch again and get a score at the other side but they couldn't get out and I think the one or two times that they nearly got out they got turned over and um, Dublin got scores off it but um, yeah I think that it's probably something it's a scenario that you can prepare for you probably have to overload one side of the field um, and go along with a kick out and just you have to win it and if Fenton is at that side of the field can you free up someone at the other side of the field and get a a kind of a mismatch but uh, again you see this is the thing with the dubs they're so good everywhere that uh, you, you you can come up with all these plans but a lot of the time they figure it out on the field and they can they can they can make it um, they can just make any plan unstuck very fast when Dublin got the run on Donegal back in that famous semi-final and Dublin looked like they were going to put away the Donegal goalkeeper Durkin slowed the kick out down it was almost taking them a minute to kick out the ball so presumably that's one thing that Mayo can do is just when they, when they see Dublin get two scores in the, on the bounce just don't kick out the ball for a little bit find a way of slowing it down and obviously there is the starter row option which uh, is is a, a long term favourite uh, would you be familiar with that option Oshin? No uh, but I knew that was a Kerry thing I've, I've experienced that <laughs> Yeah, Do you have any other options that you would have used? Well, I was just I was just thinking about a goalkeeper that when I was growing up, there was a goalkeeper in cross called Kevin McGann. And uh, he used to consistently, for some reason, he used to uh, every time he tried to save it or was a ball going over the bar, he used to hop his head off the uh, off the post. So eventually, uh, in the I always remember growing up, there used to be this big foam thing around both goals. <laughs> And uh, so if he ha- hit his head off, it would it would be nice and soft. <laughs> and uh, the opposition used to come across and used to complain about it all the time because it narrowed down the goals and all these <laughs> sort of things. But I just thought that was the same everywhere. And then I remember, you know, going to your first game or going to your first blitz or something and realizing that this wasn't <laughs> this wasn't the case everywhere. Right? There was no foam around the goals. So maybe when uh, Clark sees the ball going over the bar, if he could maybe uh, head towards the post and. Uh, take a couple of minutes out that way. Um, the only thing about about the that game la, uh, last year, that semi final, it was it was very surreal because you're right, they couldn't wait to get the ball out out again. And I suppose that's a natural tendency is to uh, try and make up for the mistakes that are after happening, try and get up the field and get scores. But uh, <clears throat> there comes a point where you know I remember uh, I can't think of his name, but the runner whoever the runner was for Mayo. I mean, he must have been down with him five times, you know, telling him to slow the thing down. And he he had gone, the head gasket had gone at that stage. And he was just he was just playing the game from, from memory and as a child or whatever. But he just kept setting the ball down and kicking it out. But you get away with it now. I mean, you know, Mayo, to make, even just to make sure you, there's, there's uh, no balls along the uh, back of the goals, kick them over to the sideline or stuff like that, um, and just make sure there's one ball so that you have to go, you have to gather it. Um, I'm pretty sure that they'll have some sort of ward or they'll have some sort of signal that they send out you know, all across the field that there's one kick out that they feel comfortable they can win. Uh, you know, I like the overload kick out in a situation like that, and the reason why I like it is because I think, I think Mayo are very good on the break ball. 
and uh, and I think if they can get it out in there to a punch and get somebody like Damer O'Connor underneath it and maybe get that break, that could be an outlet for them. But look at it, they're not going to win them all. Um, but I think you know Clark probably just needs to to have that ward or or to make sure that when that sort of things happen. But when when something like that happens, yeah, and it's so fresh in your mind, I, I don't think that's something that will immediately happen again. But he, he can take it. He can take his time and still kick it out and still lose it. Do you know what I mean? You're just they're not, but you're not conceding two six in in ten minutes. You know, which which is vitally important because the game is dead and, and buried at that stage. There's a thing that we um, we try to train students at here in UCD, and it's not it's not about uh, it's about how you should never selectively quote from what people have written. However, um, Eamon, you wrote uh, last weekend. Um, Mayo have improved from last year's semi-final when they were blown away after halftime. They are now better equipped to deal with Dublin and the fact that the champions have yet to be tested in this year's championship will give the Connacht men hope. How much hope? Um, I think going into a game, you're always going to be hopeful and Mayo are going to be plan- planning to win. Um, I, I think they absolutely have hope and I think that that is a factor that Dublin haven't been tested yet this year in the championship and uh, I've no doubt that Dublin have the, the tools to deal with a test when it comes but if Mayo can make a count early we could have a very interesting game and I think the two games that Mayo probably played best in this year so far from an offensive point of view was the Galway um league game when they were, when we were just back out of lockdown in Salt Hill or not in Salt Hill in June and the All-Ireland semi-final where they had huge first half performances now I think they actually lost the second half of both games but they had enough on the board in the first half to, to win comfortably both games so I think for, for Saturday evening that's their best chance come out of the traps the way that they have in those performances Dublin haven't dealt with a team at that level of intensity yet and uh, let's see, you know, can they get a bit of a score up before Dublin get up to speed? Um, so I think they have a hope, but they definitely have to get out of the traps fast. You, uh, I have to say, in fairness uh, to everybody, the selective quote is a bit of a thing. Um, you did say also that Dublin are performing at an impossibly stratospheric level that no one is able to get near at the moment. So that is the counterbalance to the, to the challenge that, that faces Mayo. Do you hope they win? <laughs> um, I've cousins in Mayo and uh, they're, they're, they're the same age as myself and I can remember back as far as the 1989 final they were um, you know uh, going up to win and really looking forward to winning so they've been through a lot in the meantime so I would be delighted for those cousins if Mayo won Saturday evening Beautifully put Is there a bit of, a, is there a bit of salt in the relationship between Mayo and Kerry? Is there a bit of salt? <laughs> There's a good rivalry there. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, we've won big games against them and they've won big games against us in the last couple of years as well. They won the league final last year. They beat us in the 2017 semi-final. So, no, I wouldn't say there's salt. I think there's a healthy rivalry there. Um, you know, I think the difference with the Kerry-Mayo rivalry at the moment is that Mayo have beaten Kerry a couple of times in big games Whereas the Dublin Mayo rivalry, while they've put it up to Dublin, they haven't beaten them in league or championship since 2012. So yeah, eight years. Uh, it's um, it'd be a good time for them to do it. Um, will they do it? 
They can, but Dublin probably will. Okay. I, I want to ask, before I ask the two lads what, how they think this, this game will end up, I, I do want to ask you as well, In this is we've gone through a full championship and there's provision for extra time and for penalties. We've got within one score of a difference in the game for it to go to penalties. We still haven't gone to penalties. Would you be preparing for penalties in this week? Oh, absolutely, uh, I would. Um, at the, and I would have prepared for us all along. And I think, um, you know, they, I imagine both teams would have had competitive AVB games last weekend. And I think after that would be a great time to take it, that when fellas are really tired and out on their feet and you're replicating that bit of exhaustion at the end of a game and then having to take a, a penalty with a lot riding on it. So I think, yeah, I think teams would have definitely prepared for it. Um, the fact that there's no crowd there might take some bit of the sting out of it, but uh, I think the exhaustion factor could be could be a factor at the end of a game. And when it comes down to penalties, particularly in, in football, where you probably have only one or two players in the team that are used to taking penalties, maybe three or four max if they're taking them with their clubs, um, it could be it could be some spectacle. Well, isn't there this thing about asking lads to put up their hands to to take a penalty? And every team has at least one fella. I know I played with one uh, who fancies himself as a penalty taker, <laughs> but you wouldn't trust him to kick it into a fog when it when it came down to it. How do you how do you pay, how do you break it to somebody like that to say basically? You tell him no, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> you tell him sit down. I think it's. I think you as a as a management team you would have maybe almost a list of priority of. You might even have one to twenty six and seeing who you've on the pitch at the end of the day. Um, after extra time, you'd be saying these are the fellas in order of preference, and that's it. You wouldn't. I, I, I'm not sure I believe in it up to fellas. And then if one of those fellas came to you and said, I'm not up to it, that's grand. You can go to the next fella. But uh, I'm not sure I'd be leaving it too voluntary at that stage of proceedings. Yeah. Oshin. No, I just get the corner backs. So go up one end of the field and just fist the ball to each other uh, while, while, the penalties, while the penalties are being taken. Um, but yeah, I think they would, would have prepared and I think they would have had a fair idea all year who was your top, say, 10 or or 12 uh, penalty takers. And then obviously it's down to, you know, who's fit, who's still on the pitch and all that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I think there will be a certain amount of preparation done. But I just think, uh, you know, Mayo's big thing this week is to try and get a period in the game where it's, it's good old style manic uh, Mayo football cause a little bit of panic. And like we, we haven't seen panic in Dublin for some time. And, uh, and I still think that's possible with the new, with the that a uh, little bit of new blood that's in there. That you know, give them something different. That they're not in control of every single situation, and that's why you know a lot of times you know you know we talk about you know set plays and, and playing a certain way against them. Uh, the the feathers need to be ruffled first in order to to lay your game plan on them. So. Uh, that's the way I w- would think that Mayo would have an opportunity to win the game. But f- for me, it's uh, I-, I just can't see uh, Mayo over 80 minutes football having the sustainability to to beat this Dublin team, and that's why I think uh, Dublin will win. Yeah, and I hope I hope for all my cousins in Dublin they don't. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> for it's 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 really interesting <clears throat> talking to people 
around the, over the last week. I know of only one person. I know a few people who think that Mayo have a chance and a good chance, but I know of only one person who thinks that Mayo will win and he's absolutely convinced they'll win and he has an idea which I don't really think works, but he, 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 he does have an idea as to why they will win. You're not going to tell us half a story. I, I am. I am going to tell you half a story because I'm not going to expose him. Um, the the I I I was looking back at '82. Everything in Offaly football begins and ends in 1982. And in the week before the final, there was one person who predicted that Offaly would be carried. That I can find written out properly. There's one in the newspaper. There's one other person who said it publicly, and it was Martin Furlong. And he said it on the six o'clock news. He was the Offaly goalkeeper. He said it on the six o'clock news on the Wednesday before the game. And he predicted that uh, that Offaly would uh, would be Kerry. Sorry, Eamon. But can you find people around the place who are telling you that Mayo are going to win? No, I yeah, I certainly haven't come across anyone that's that said that. Um, it's 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 just it's it's it is hard to see. It is hard to see. Um, and as I said, it, it, look, it could be one of those days for Mayo. Um, as I said, like everything needs to go right, but uh, I think I think there's moments in games, you know, three to four moments in games that Mayo will need to win those moments to win the game, if that makes sense. So, for example, um, you know, two players running for ball, Aidan O'Shea and you know James McCarthy, you know, they hit shoulder to shoulder. Aidan O'Shea wins the ball. That's a moment, and I think there'll be three or four moments in the game that Mayo will have to win, that will give them hope um, and will give Dublin doubt. Um, and particularly early on in the game, as the lads mentioned there, I think that's going to be hugely important. Um, and I mentioned this before about Cavan in Dublin, and I'll mention it again about Mayo breaking it down into the four quarters. And I know you don't have an awful lot of time in the water break, but I think it's an important time to reassess very quickly of where you're at and how you go about the next phase of the game. Um, and I think Mayo, I think Mayo should do that. I don't know if they will. I don't know if they plan to do it, but I think it's important that they, they reflect on their performance really quickly to that point and they decide how they're going to approach the next stage of the game. Now, again, I take that it's not an awful lot of time, but there could be key words or you know actions that they, they can put in place at that time that would put them in good stead going forward. But to be honest, I, I haven't, I haven't heard that, that anyone that, you know, that anyone I've been speaking to, um, you know, we're, we're, we're sure that Mayo are going to win. Um, I do think that, that it'll be very, it's very hard to see Dublin losing this game. Okay. Let's finish by doing one thing. Uh, Oshin, a winner and the, and the points margin. Jesus. Uh, Dublin by seven. Kiran. Dublin by four. Eamon. <laughs> Mayo by one. <laughs> Mayo by one. There you go. Ooh. There's a call. There's <laughs> a call. I'm looking for someone to say it, so I'll say it. Yes, thank you, Eamon. I, I didn't think my argument was that convincing. Or yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> thank you. If you're looking for a teacher, um, uh, Eamon, you're on this. Just giving a lesson. Yeah, I'm thinking of my cousins in Mayo, so I'll have to give them a <laughs> There is a desperation out there for Saturday to be a match, a proper match. And for all that Mayo have been written off, a read of a brilliant Western People edition from this week shows exactly why they are not without hope. From the front page comes a scream of defiance. 
James Laffey's article acknowledges that the odds are stacked against Mayo, but he links his hope of victory into a wider story of emigration and the sense of a Mayo identity forged in adversity. And he finishes his call to arms on that front page saying, the one thing Mayo people have always possessed is hope. It is what makes us who we are. We owe a boo. Thanks, Eamon. Thanks, Oshin. Thanks, Kieran, And thanks to Renault for getting us here. We'll talk to you again next week. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 